Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive what Captain Jonathan Taves drives. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you use, and like our YouTube page as well. All videos are posted on the Blackhawks YouTube page. It's our final episode of the season, and we have a very special guest Two-time Stanley Cup champion Andrew Shaw joins Blackhawks Insider. It's a great show. Thanks for tuning in. And yes, as sad as it is to say, this is our final episode of Blackhawks Insider of the season, along with my wonderful co-host Colby Cohen. I'm Chris Fosters. We are wonderful. Okay. You are wonderful, Colby, <laughs> in 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 every way, and I do mean that yeah. from the bottom of my heart. We are without another wonderful co-host as well. Kaylee Chelios, uh, regrettably, is not with us for the final episode. Um, you know, you, you you understand this, Colby, being a, a new parent yourself, but sometimes kids get sick, and, and that's what Kaylee is dealing with right now, a little spring fever in her household. But it's been a lot of fun having Kaylee with us as we've you know, entered a, a new age of Blackhawks Insider. This is my first season on the show. I've really enjoyed it. You're you're the you're the veteran of yeah. Blackhawks Insider, yeah. Colby. But Kaylee with us in spirit for the final episode. But man, it's um, it's still well, sinking in think, that the season's over. And I think her not being here, we we can't do Sellies and Chirps without her. We we can't <laughs> finish the season without her for Sellies and Chirps because I feel like she kind of. She she brings the best topic to the table every week. So we'll we'll reserve that for the next time the the three of us are all together and you know Chris as you were introing the podcast I'm thinking to myself Chevy drives Chicago drive what the captain Jonathan Taves drives. I feel like next year it might be drive what Chris Vosters drives and and you know I'm 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 pitching Chevy right now thinking I, I think you should probably be the new tagline for Chevy if they're listening Chris Chris would be a great ambassador for you guys I mean well thank you Colby for for being my ambassador in in many ways um that would be you know quite an honor however I I'm sure that there are bigger names and faces that Chevy can go with and and we should wait until after the draft before we, um, you know, kind of try and pencil in who who maybe the the future of that sponsorship <laughs> will be, um, May eighth, the draft lottery, folks. By the way, mark it down on your calendars. But um, this has been a lot of fun. You know, there have been a lot of great moments. You know, throughout our podcast season, I've really enjoyed. You mentioned Sellies and Chirps. I know a fan came up to you at the Paint the Ice event. The other the other day, uh, the the great you know postseason event where fans paint the ice at the United Center before it's taken out for the summer. Um, I've loved doing sellies and chirps. Uh, you you actually sent me an article the other day on on Subway, which was part of our sellies and chirps one day. So it, it's been a lot of fun, you know, just kind of coming up with the quirky and unexpected discussion topics that we've landed on. Yeah, look, I saw that that Forbes article about Subway and I I it's a long article but I'm like I got to send read. this to Chris. I mean, it's really interesting stuff and you're right. I mean, I, I never would have sent you that had it not been for the podcast, had it not been for the Sellies and Chirp segment. Um there's been a number of times actually those types of things have come up, things Kaylee's brought up and then it's like in the news. So, uh good segment for sure. 
Uh, it's definitely been cool to have people come up to me at the United Center talking about the podcast. Um, I was talking to some season ticket members at Paint the Ice. They've, they've been season ticket members for as long as, as you know, they can remember. They drive in from South Bend, Indiana, which is so wow. cool. I mean, that's, that's not, that's not a, a close 15-minute ride. Exactly. So, you know, you can just see how dedicated the, the Hawks fan base is, and I think that's the one thing that – you know, I just continue to, to take away from this organization being in, you know, finishing my second year is, is people come. They, this, this city supports this hockey team through thick and thin. Um, it's kind of a testament to the relationship that's been built between the organization and the fans over the years. So we love hearing from you. Um, you know, always tweet, tweet at us if, if there's things in the podcast that you want to hear or, or more of, or less of, you know, we, we, we do this show for you guys. So, um, great season, Chris, we definitely are missing Kaylee today. I feel like she's the good balancing point for, for our voices. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to May 8th. I, I'll, I'll, I'm doing a show with NBC to do the draft, uh, ping pong show, uh, so we'll be geared up and, and excited and bringing you coverage for that. So uh, plenty of, of good stuff ahead. That, that really, you know, not to overstate it, but that really will be a huge day for the future of the organization as it, it will, in a lot of ways, set the timeline for, for the rebuild. If the Blackhawks get the first overall pick, that sets up a, a different set of circumstances than if they get the fifth overall pick. Neither is is an end-all, be-all situation. There will be good outcomes from from whatever pick the Blackhawks have, but it's it's an exciting time, that's for sure. So, as Colby mentioned, it is our final episode of the season of the Blackhawks Insider Podcast, so we figured we'd bring on uh, an all-star caliber guest, none other than Andrew Shaw. Blackhawks fans know him as the Mutt. You know, there, there are a lot of fan favorites from the Stanley Cup era, Colby, as you know, but you got to put Andrew Shaw at or top the list when it comes to uh, players that mean a lot to the fan base. And it's great to have him on for our final episode of the season. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, you know, you probably have that crop of five or six guys that won all three cups, and then he's probably the next most popular Blackhawk. I mean, fans love seeing him. Um, they, they love when he's at the United center. He, he's such a, a fun, emotional guy. Um, such a blue collar type of atti- attitude. The interview with him was great. It wasn't, it didn't really feel like an interview. It, it just kind of felt like we were sitting around, uh, his fireplace out by his lake. He's got a great spread out there. So, uh, enough of my voice, Chris, I, I think people would rather hear from, from Andrew Shaw. I agree. And since it is our final episode of the Blackhawks Insider Podcast of the season, we figured we'd go out with a bang, bringing in the two-time Stanley Cup champion, Andrew Shaw, to join the show. Andrew, thanks a lot for joining us. It was uh, great seeing you in town the other week for the season finale, of course, Jonathan Taves' last game in Blackhawks uniform. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But what, what's uh, what's your summer look like? Any Any big plans for you? uh summer no i live in paradise up here in ontario so summer we kind of like to kick it back and relax we're on the lake and the kids always have a blast here and friends and family spend every weekend at my house i swear to god so it's busy around here you know we we get the smokers out we 
start making some big gourmet meals and, and having a few uh, brewskis in the nice sun. So that's my plan for the next uh, few months. All right. Well, I'll, I'll send you my mailing address uh, after this. I wouldn't mind shagging an invite to uh, one of your one of your cookouts. What do you got on the smoker? Uh, usually, you know, anything, anything from steak to pork to, you know, honestly, anything, anything you could think of. Big game meats, uh, get the meat sweats and, and pass out and, and try it again the next day. <laughs> Colby, you like and it, Andrew should have a grill out. Colby's good no, on the grill, too. No, not even the same <laughs> same atmosphere. I don't know if you follow Shazi on, on Instagram, but we're definitely different levels of that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty amateur compared to what I see him doing up there, and I'm always, like, watching his story at the end of the day, and I'm like, oh, my God. this Because you guys make everything. I mean, I feel like I've seen you make things where I'm just like, who, who makes that? Oh. Like... <laughs> Uh, what, what, I mean, have you always been, uh, so interested in, in doing that in the kitchen or is that like a post retirement from playing type of thing? Well, I always, I enjoy cooking. I don't know. I find it peaceful and, and satisfying, but playing in the NHL and being able to eat all these gourmet restaurants every night, you know, when I was done playing or when COVID happened, you know, I was missing out on those, those great meals. So I, I got into you know, making my own at home and kind of just fell in love with it. And I actually got a, a chuck roast on. I'm going to pull some, pull some beef and make some beef tacos tonight for dinner. So the house right now is smelling really good. Can I, can I just say that, you know, one season in for me into the NHL now, and you're right, like the, you, you eat so well in the NHL. I mean, it's gourmet meals night in and night <laughs> out. But now that the season's over, like, I'm talking to my fiance about what we want to do for dinner every night. And like, she wants to go out and I literally just want the frozen chicken breast in the freezer. Like that. I don't want any kind of fancy stuff anymore. I just want, I just want basic stuff. So I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat there. It doesn't taste as good when it's not on your per diem charge. That's why you're going for the, you're, you're going for the cheap stuff in the freezer now. (laughs) And nothing wrong with I'm, I'm right there. What, what is the, what is the best thing? that you make from scratch something that you know 99% of people buy in the grocery store um honestly I got into making these uh Big Mac tacos I make my own mac sauce at home I you know I've seen these they're they're a healthier version obviously it's whole foods and just I grab the best you know quality meats and, and cheeses and everything else you can get but they've been a big hit and they're quite easy to make but also Whole pork tacos. I actually, uh, my last year with Chicago, I was out hurt, not playing the rest of the season, but I was just rehabbing everything to try and make myself feel better. And I ended up smoking two pork butts and, and pulling them and bringing them in and making lunch for everybody at the rink. And it was pulled pork tacos with pickled onions and, and all the, the toppings. And it seems to be a big hit And when I'm having people over, uh, usually it can feed a lot of people. So it's one of those ones I always go back to. It's definitely one of the, the more appealing looking meals that you put on your, your Instagram. So I, I, uh, we're going to have to get you down for, for a a taste testing next season, because I mean, you're, you, you come to town a lot. I mean, I, I feel like you're one of the guys that is always coming back to, to support other teammates. You, you never seem to miss that opportunity. Um, which, 
you know, probably doesn't surprise people based on the way you used to look after your guys and, and uh, stick up for your teammates. But um, I know I asked you this before we started and, you know, I know you, you said you went to bed early cause the, the kids come, come in the room at, at six o'clock in the morning. But, um, you know, you, you spend the whole winter, I feel like shoveling that uh, lake off, getting it, getting it all prepared for your kids. Uh, you're cooking all these foods from scratch for your family. I mean, I, Andrew Shaw, like the family man, I mean, everything about the family, huh? Yeah. Well, I, I always looked at, as my teammates for my family, you know, through the season, I always try to take care of them, keep them laughing, keep the mood light. And now that I'm at home and away from the guys uh, in the locker room every day, I, I try and do the same for my, my kids. I make sure they're having fun. I make sure they're enjoying their life as, as kids. And, uh, and health has been a huge thing to me the past, you know, five years. And I owe a lot to guys like Jonathan Taves and Johnny Oduya who, who pushed health on me through my career. And, now I know the quality of foods and stuff that we need to be putting in our body to to help give us success and and you know feel well. So I kind of put that into my household now. And my kids are one of the most spoiled kids ever when it comes to food. You know, I'm always cooking gourmet meals for them every night, and they're pretty good. They they always tell me that dad, you make the best chicken wings. Dad, you make the best tacos. Dad, <laughs> your steak's the best. And so when we go to eat other other houses my kids will sometimes make comments like oh this isn't as good as my dad's steak here so i gotta <laughs> but the the kids are innocent so they don't they don't really know what they're saying but they are very spoiled and very fortunate that i'm at home cooking for them i think my wife really appreciates it too makes things a lot easier on her andrew do you watch any like cooking shows on TV, any celebrity chef shows or anything like that? Where do you get your inspiration from? Uh, honestly, a lot off the gram, not going to lie. My, uh, my social feed there is, is hockey, fitness, and food. And it's, it's all I really know, I guess. But I also have a, one of my, my best buddy's wife here is a big foodie, and she watches the Food Network and she'll send me recipes like, Oh, you got to try this, invite us over for dinner and make this for us. So, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of, um, dinner parties. So it's, it's kind of fun. Well, I feel like social media totally listens to our conversations because no matter what you're talking about in your household, they start coming up on your, your popular page. I mean, um, my popular page right now is like filled with like you know, how to not get puked on hacks by, uh, with your, with your, with your infant and, and like the, the perfect burping positions after you're, you're doing a bottle feeding. So I can only imagine how good your, your feet is looking. Um, let's hit the fitness thing, Shazi, because that's obviously big for you. I, I mean, I don't know if anybody who follows you on Instagram sees, um, you're still grinding away, working out, you got your kids in the gym with you. Sometimes I see you doing pull-ups with your daughter, like hanging around your waist for a little bit of extra support. Um, you know, it, you know, being in shape, I, I guess that's kind of a lifestyle. You know, you played the game so hard. You were, you were, uh, you know, such a hard-nosed player and a strong player out on the ice. But now it's, it sounds like you're, you're training just as hard. You probably could come back and, and play as far as in being in shape goes. Um, you know, what was, was that always the case for you? Or, or is that something you kind of picked up on as you retired and you felt like you had more energy? 
Well, I was always uh, a proud man to be in good shape. You know, uh, I was that skinny little kid who always had a six pack growing up. So I kind of just wanted to keep that as long as I can. And I think with retirement, it brings more to me mentally, I think, you know, pushing myself, making sure, you know, I'm, I'm not letting my body slip because you know, once you let it slip, it's hard to get it back. And I just want to maintain what I have. And health is, you know, an important thing to me, especially with what I went through with all my head stuff. Uh, like mentally, it's good. It's great for mental health. You know, it's great for anxiety. It's great for depression, you know, to get in the gym and push your body, push your mind to, you know, to better itself. And, you know, I'm, I'm also into, saunas and cold tubs and all that stuff to help with that and I've got a nice routine that you know makes me feel good and like I said we talked about food I love food you know I love mixing it with some wine some drinks so I also gotta stay in the gym so that I can continue to indulge in those things as well Calories in, calories out. At the end of the day, you know I think that's a that's a pretty big part of it. Finding that that good balance. Shazi, you mentioned Jonathan Taves and the influence that he had on you, especially in taking care of your body. And, you know, just seeing you at the United Center for the final game of the season, Jonathan Taves' last game in, in Blackhawks uniform. How, how did that night go for you? And what sort of thoughts were going through your head as everything played out? Oh, it's, it's, it's sad to see, you know, like I went through a couple of years ago, just, re- I know he's not retiring, but end of an era for him, you know, he's been, with the Chicago organization, what, 16, 17 years now. So I know it was probably super emotional for him, but for him to score in that last game, scored in his first game with the Blackhawks, scored in his last game with the Blackhawks, pretty uh, pretty cool stat to have. And just to see the support there from all the fans and how loud that building got when he put that one in was, was so special. And I know it means a lot to him. And, you know, he was a big girl, though. He held those tears in uh, pretty good at... <laughs> I know I was up in the box and it was it was getting uh, pretty teary eyed up in our box. You know, it's very special uh, for the fans to come there and be for him, and uh, it's one of those moments I'm sure he's going to remember the rest of his life. Well, I think that he scored on his first shot in the NHL, and he almost scored on wow. his last shot. I mean, I, we we know how close that uh, that overtime breakaway was I think probably half the guys in the Flyers were hoping he scored on that breakaway, which just kind of tells you the way that he's viewed in the NHL. Do you have a moment you remember maybe early on in in your call-up and and when you were sort of establishing yourself um, as a full-time NHL player where uh, he said something to you or maybe he didn't have to say anything, he might have just given you a look um, where it was a – sort of a welcome to the NHL type of moment that, that came from him because I, I've kind of heard he, um, you know, he, he kind of is famous for, for those, you know, like dragging guys in and, and getting guys going and, and kind of just shooting them that, that look that, you know, oh, 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 like I, I, better, I better do my job here because, you know, he's holding me accountable. Well, he was, he was the best at holding people accountable because he always did the little things right. So, you knew if he was talking to you and telling you, you needed to listen because he was a guy who would go out there and battle and compete and do all the little things right to help the team have success. But my first game, I actually got to play with him on a line and start with him. And I remember, obviously, super overwhelming. I was 20 years old. Uh, 
<laughs> coming in. He was just saying, you know, he just said to me, good luck, have fun tonight, enjoy the moment. Um, and I did, you know, I, I had fun. I played my, my style of hockey and, you know, I knew I needed to make a, a presence felt right away. I had that opportunity. I didn't want to let it slip, but a couple weeks in, I think he started realizing that I was a very talkative kid, you know, I maybe a little too loud for a rookie in the locker room and I was having success. And, you know, he came up to me and said, you know, enjoy this, be yourself, have fun, be a pest, you know, don't let anyone change you who you are. And that really stuck with me too. You know, coming from a vet, I knew I probably, uh, I was taking heat from a lot of the guys on how much I talked in the room or how loud I was, you know, the old saying is, be uh be seen not heard but i made sure i was seen and heard and he was okay with that <laughs> jonathan Taves scored a goal in his first nhl game you got into a fight in your first nhl game and you know it's been interesting and, and would love to get your thoughts uh a little bit later on on the team as it's you know constructed going forward but you know jared tenorti I don't know if you'd necessarily call him an agitator, but but there were times when he definitely, I think, filled your role in part, Andrew, uh, the guy who was, you know, sticking up for his teammates, um, you know, getting into fights, not because he wanted to, but but because the moment in the game really warranted it. And, you know, Tenorti talking to us was really open about, hey, you know, it's not like, you know, he goes into every game just like wanting to get into a fight or anything like that. But, but sometimes it's just what he's got to do. Um, is that how you felt about, about that part of the game or what, what was kind of your philosophy when it came to that side of things? My philosophy uh, approaching the game was I'm going out here to win. And if you're in my way, I'm going to take you out. And that was how I looked at every game. I, you know, I grew up in a household with, two brothers, a sister and a dad and mom who were insanely uh, competitive in everything. It could be from cards to playing sports in the lawn, but we were just always competitive and, you know, things get heated, you know, even with my family or, you know, against other teams. And uh, I think that's what made me successful is how, how much passion I had for the game and how much I competed for the game. And it's funny you bring up, uh, Tenorti. I actually fought him twice in junior. So I wish. No way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish I had. He's huge. I know. That's what I, I wish I had his size. It would have made things a lot easier for me. But uh, though I think that's going to be a part of hockey. I don't think that's something you'll be able to get rid of. I know they always talk about less fighting in hockey, yeah. but if you have passion. Yeah. What do you. What do you think about that? I mean, we we've kind of debated that a little bit on on TV this year. And, and I feel like I'm usually alone in that conversation when we get into it on these on the broadcast of like I I think fighting keeps the game safer in a way um and I I don't think it's something that you can get rid of because I think there are so many talented players like you that just played in such a, a gray area and played on the edge and that's how you had to play and and especially when you watch the playoffs. I think the playoffs, everybody has to play in the gray area and play on the edge. I know there's not necessarily a ton of fighting in the playoffs, but um, look, I never want to see anybody get injured ever. But I, I, I would argue that I think fighting is a part of hockey that needs to say. And, and as a guy like you who um, 
who did that a lot more than I did. I mean, I had a number of fights, but nothing like you did. Um, and nowhere near as successful as you did it. But, uh, you know, what, where do you sit on that issue? Well, Colby, I got beat up a lot too. Don't worry. (laughs) I was like, Oh, for seven though. So I I don't know. I don't have any W's in my column. I know you got some more W's than I did. Well, I agree. I think fighting is always going to be there in hockey. I think you have to have it. Like you said, it makes the game safer. It keeps people in check. But it's also, you know, it's not for everyone. And the guys that don't want to fight, nowadays you're never really going to get forced into doing something you don't want to do. You know, you don't want to fight, you, you just keep your gloves on and teammates or refs are going to break it up before anything, you know, escalates to that point. But, you know, when those big hits happen to your teammates or you need momentum change or you need fighting in the game, it keeps it exciting, keeps it unique, you know. Like it's the only sport like that that you can play a sport and get in a fight in the same game and and continue to play afterwards i think it's super unique and i would be very upset if the uh if fighting got taken out i probably wouldn't watch much hockey if it if it didn't have it well and and the ontario well not the ontario junior league i was gonna i guess it's the canadian hockey league uh the qmjhl just announced there's no longer going to be fighting in in that league um i hear that the OHL could potentially be going that way. I don't know a whole lot about the Western League, Shazi. So other than that, I've always heard it's a pretty tough league. Um, and, and you know, maybe you can shed some light on that. But, you know, it, it does seem like there's definitely a, a case for it. So I'm, I'm kind of happy to hear you you kind of feeling that way as a guy who, who did it in the NHL, um, along with a lot of other things, obviously, like you could still play the game at a really high level. I think those are the type of, of fighters that it's especially fun to see when, when guys who are, who can score 25 goals can also drop the gloves. I, I, I personally, I think that that's great. Um, you know, but I think that, that kind of, it, it bleeds out a little bit as we get into the playoffs. I mean, even last night, uh, there was a big hit in the Dallas uh, Minnesota game on Joe Pavelski, which ends up becoming just a two minute penalty. Originally they thought maybe a five, they review it. They they felt like it was a clean hit, but there wasn't a big melee of fighting after. So, you know, playoffs obviously changes things a little bit. And, and I'm just kind of wondering, yeah, what, what you're looking at this year in the playoffs and, and who you like and, and um, how much of it you'll actually watch. I know you see all the Hawks games, but uh, the playoffs is like a whole different beast, and and the intensity just, as you know, just ratchets up being a being a multi cup winner. Well, I think what happened in the Minnesota game, you know, it's it's a it's a cleanish hit, maybe a second too late, but it's it's playoffs. You want you know you want to play physical, you want to set the tone early in a series, especially, and you know you see Max Domi come in and stick up for him and you know, take some penalties there, but kill it off later. You, you, I think as the game went on, they just, you know, take a number, get Dumba later, you know, get him clean, get him when he comes around the net, you know, finish every check on him. Every time he has the puck, finish a check on him, make it hard on him that way. Uh, I think, you know, I think Domi did a great job coming in and sticking up for him. But again, it's to me, it's a cleanish hit. You know, he didn't hit him in the head. His head, unfortunately, hit the ice. Uh, Hockey's a fast, fast sport and, I'm one has happened to many a times, you know, it's, it's hard to control where your body's going to go. And I think, uh, I I think hockey needs fighting and 
it gave me an opportunity. If I didn't fight like I did, I don't think I would have had a successful NHL career like I did. I wouldn't have had that opportunity to prove myself. You know, it took me fighting so much to make it to the next level for people to realize that I had some skill as well. So I, I think like Nick Deloria is uh, another um, example. You know, he played in the queue, so the queue doesn't have fighting anymore. Does he end up getting an opportunity like he does did now if fighting yeah. isn't there? Or those big point. Those big, strong defensemen in the Western League who are, you know, shut down defensemen, play hard, keep their game simple, but they like to stick up for their teammates and fight when they need to. And I think you lose that part of the game, you're going to lose a lot of talent, a lot of like, – everyone wants that superstar defenseman, but no one's ever scouting that shutdown D-man who, you know, can play big minutes against top guys and play physical in front of the net. You know, that's – you take out fighting and all that physical play, you're going to lose that that player aspect. Did you ever fight Milan Lucic? No, I uh, I chirped him once. Uh, I was on the bench, and he he was saying something. I said, oh, yeah, "Nice nose, you could smoke a cigar, uh. in the sh- <laughs> a cigar in the shower or something." And he looked at me, and goes, "Yeah, kid, try breaking it." And I just kind of like <laughs> I kind of just started chuckling because it was uh, it was such a good comeback. That's. Luch is a big man. I, I probably one of the most intimidating guys I ever went against in practice. I mean, him or Z, like you just didn't want to, if they, if they were in the front of the line with you and, and there was any type of battle, you're just, I'm like holding my breath. <laughs> well, see, I would never go up to a guy and square up with a guy like that. You know, if we're in front of the net and he's cross-checking me and he, you know, physically hurts me, I'm going to snap and I'm going to go after him and try and fight him get a couple punches in before he beats the the wheels off me but <laughs> i'm smart enough not to engage in something like that but if it's during play in action like you know i'm gonna do whatever it takes to win and if someone's in my way i'm gonna do my best to get him out of the way well chris i i i love hearing shawzi's point of view on this you know because again you played the game with such an edge and i think you have such a unique perspective of a guy who who scored goals you know, you just don't you don't see the guys who can score and make plays like you do, and and also willing to engage with anybody out on the ice. So I I appreciate your uh, perspective on it because you know who who better to ask than someone who lived it. I mean I I know um, you know Chris was joking earlier about getting an invite to your cabin. Uh, he's always you know <laughs> up in the booth. Sharpie's always just absolutely giving him grief up in the booth. And, and just spanking one-liners on him and, and giving him a hard time. But, uh, you know, so Sharpie has a different point of view on these types of things probably. So I, I like, Shazi, that you're kind of balancing Chris and you're, you're giving him sort of the, the other side of the ledger uh, in the NHL. Well, you got to watch out for Sharpie, though. He loves to, uh, to mess with guys and have some fun. But he, I'm sure he's a, a great guy to work with. I know I enjoyed it, so... Continue. Yeah, he's been awesome. He he he's been awesome. And and yeah, I hate to I hate to you know compliment him on 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 the record like this on anything. But yeah, he does have some pretty good one liners. He is pretty clever with the quips. I gotta say, Uh, he got he got you so the the one he had the other day when you asked him if the cup was heavy that 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 was probably one of my favorites. Uh, (laughs) You know, yeah, I don't know if you saw it, Shazi. I didn't. Chris asked him if the cup was heavy and. 
you know, he kind of said no, and then he thought about it a little, and he kind of talked through it a little, and then he looked at Chris and he went, probably heavy for you. And, <laughs> you know, he, he's got that grin on his face, and, and he's got that kind of look, and, and, oh, man, like we, we all had a good laugh when he, when he dropped that one on Chris that night. <laughs> well, I always called Sharpie Batman, you know, he, you know, Christian Bale Batman, so nothing's heavy for him. He just he'd lift it over his head and drink beer out of it and celebrate. So. <laughs> You know, I, I, Andrew, I wanted to ask you too about, you know, we were talking about game one of the of the Dallas-Minnesota series. That game went to double overtime. You played in uh, two triple overtime games, right? I mean, game in, in the playoffs, game one of of the Boston Stanley Cup in, in 2013. And then um, game winner, of, not a big deal. Not a big deal. NBD, NBD. And then one of, one of your uh, series against LA as well. What, what are those... Three, how do you get through those three overtime games? And then what is the recovery like afterwards? Well, you should probably ask someone who played a little bit more. You know, I think at each end of those games, I was just in the low 20s of minutes played. Some guys were in the 30s. You know, I think Duncan Keith was up in the 40s. Like, it's harder probably for those guys to recover because they're going to put up those minutes again. But, you know, I tell you, I wasn't working out after the game, that's for sure. I was probably just getting some food into me and get some, you know, hydrated and get some sleep. It's all you can really do is, you know, hydrate, fill the belly, get some sleep, get ready for the next one. Cause it's usually a quick turnaround, you know, a day off and then play again. So take advantage of, um, the masseuses and, uh, athletic therapists and just get the body ready for the next one. I mean, it's, I always looked at it as like, you know, two week grind each time, all right? I got two weeks. We're going to win this series, you know, push your body to the limit. You know, not two weeks is up, all right, just two more weeks, you know, and I just kind of set my mind up that way is, all right, give everything you have for two weeks and you got all summer off to do nothing, you know. And the further you went into playoffs, the easier it was to stay into shape for next year because you, you're not going to sit around and do nothing. You're going to stay in game shape for the two months and then right back into next season. With that Boston game, though, game one of the of the 2013 finals, you know, you're getting into the second, third overtime. What's it? What are you guys talking about on the bench at that point? I mean, is it is it the same as it would have been if it were regulation, or you know, our guy, you know, what what's it like? Uh, I think we are all just talking about continuing to put our foot on the gas and minimizing mistakes. You know, because it was going to be a mistake that cost the game at that point. You know, you got the two best teams fighting off in the Stanley Cup, so minimize your mistakes. Uh, leave the puck in good areas, you know, and don't be turning it over around the blue lines, you know, just making sure we didn't make mistakes so that when we got the opportunity, we could bury on one of their mistakes. I think that was kind of how we looked at those games because, you know, when there's a small breakdown, the goal ends up in the back, you know, and the puck ends up in the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, look at the the overtime winner last night. Ayafalo gets it for LA, and you know it's just a quick bang bang play. It's it's down low, and and the the penalty killer. I don't know who who was killing for was Edmonton, but he oh. got he got dragged out a little bit too high, and then he's not able to recover into the bumper spot. Um, and and they just you know Arvidsson is is one step ahead with that little bump pass, and and all of a sudden LA upsets Edmonton you could hear a pin drop in in Rogers Arena um who do you like in the playoffs this year Shazi are, are you uh 
you know, keeping an eye on it or, or you know, yeah. the smoker is going to knock you out and, and, you know, bedtime at 830. Well, I yeah, went, you've got I an went, early curfew, we hear. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I like my sleep and my kids do not like sleeping in too much. Well, they got to go to school. I think daughter's got to be on the bus at 720, so we have to get them up. But I was four for four last night picking those wins. I think uh, – No way. You picked LA. Oh, you had LA. Yeah, wow. They did it. They'll, they'll done it to him before. They'll do it again. I mean, they did win game one last year. That's yeah. true. So I think uh, LA is a, a sleeper deal. You know, they, they sleeper team. They got good goaltending, great leadership, and then they just got a lot of guys who want to work and compete. I'm a big Philip Deneau fan. I know it. Uh, I think he's magnificent at, at playing on the defensive side of the puck and being able to shut guys down. So I think that team. I think Edmonton needs to be worried about Edmonton yeah. fans. I'm sorry to say it, but yeah, I got LA in this one. Um, the also wow. the, the other tight one too. I think Carolina and uh, the, the Islanders, Islanders. Yeah. The two good defensive teams. You know, I think Islanders have some good experience going deep. You know, they've lost two conference finals in the last three years, so they just need to get over that hump. I think they can be a team to take out Carolina as well, but it's. It's interesting. A lot of people are kind of are on that series a little bit shazzy thinking the Islanders do. I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to depend a little bit on Barzell. Like if he if he can get himself going, having not played in a while, their power play has just been so dreadful. And like power plays are so magnified in the playoffs. I yeah, mean, uh, you know, my playoff experience is being a healthy scratch and watching and, and doing, you know, all the scout team video and, and this and that as these series go along. But I do remember um, how, how magnified a power play gets in the playoffs. And, and I mean, Carolina gets that goal two or three seconds into a power play, look like a set play. Clearly they saw something off the draw. So I'm, I'm surprised. I, I, I don't, I don't agree. I, I think Carolina gets through that series, but the other pick that you have LA, I mean, I, I think LA is so stingy in the neutral zone too. I mean, when the Hawks played them a, a home game this year, you know, I'm, I was down between the benches and I just remember, I don't think they got through the neutral zone clean once the entire game, you know, I mean, yeah. their, their neutral zone is, is tough in LA. So I think that's going to be a, a good a good series. So I'm going to just put you on the spot real quick so we can move on past the, the cup. But who who do you have winning the cup this year? Ooh, I mean, you got to go with probably the Boston Bruins, I got to say. I can see them doing it. They're just – they're stacked. They got a good goaltender. and They're playing well together, great leadership. So they got what it makes to – they're definitely going to be making it to the finals. Never, anything can happen, though. It's playoffs. But they're my pick. Andrew, you know, it's an, it's an interesting offseason for the Blackhawks right now. May 8th will be a, a huge day for the franchise with the draft lottery. You know, it, there it, it's easy, I think, you know, and speaking personally, it, it's easy to get sucked into the Connor Bedard vortex and think that, I mean, it, it, it's boom or bust with him. If, if you get him, you're going to the Stanley Cup final in a, in a year or two. If you don't get him, well, then you're just – you're stuck in a in a perpetual state of rebuild for the next 10 years. Those are obviously two extremes. The truth will probably be somewhere in the middle. But what what do you think about the about the 
2023 draft class. The Hawks are looking at a at a high pick. Obviously, what what are your thoughts on the on that aspect of things? Well, I think if they get they get one or two. They're going to be quite happy. I think both those players. Uh, what's his name? Finelli. Yeah, Fintilli. Fintilli. He's a big player. He can, you know, he can skate. He can make plays. He's just, he's a gamer. So, him or Bedard uh, are going to be two good picks, one two, and they got to be happy with either either or of those. Uh, but it takes a lot more. If you look at the Blackhawks, they had, you know, they got Dunk, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook. Then they, you know, had Taves, Kane. And then they sign Hosa, you know, and, and what about yourself? The- Don't I mean what round what round were you picked in? I was nineteenth. Uh, no, I was nineteenth. I went through really? seven. I went through seven, through seven, and then in the fifth in my third year eligible. So that oh, but oh, that's oh, okay. but, but that but that's that's an important thing here. I mean, Braden Point was like a third or fourth round pick in Tampa Bay. Like if you don't hit Yes, you've got to land one and two. You've got to nail the Kane and Taves pick. But you also need the Andrew Shaw in the fifth round. You need guys like Braden Point, Palat. You know, I mean, I think Tampa did a really nice job with with hitting on a lot of those picks too, Shawzy. So I, I, you know, those those are important picks too. Like, you're not going to say it. I know that because you're such a humble guy. But, like, it's true. Like, you, you need those picks to land as well. You do. You need you need to find I know like sometimes later on they might not be as skilled, but I would always look for guys who have passion and compete level and worth at work ethic. Cause like when I was younger, I you know, I'll just use myself as an example. I didn't uh, have ice time available to me. I wasn't on the ice every day, you know, I, I couldn't afford to do it. But the more I played in junior, the better I got. And then when I made it Danny Shell, you're on the ice every day, sometimes twice a day. So like my skills got better. My work ethic was always there. My compete was always there. And I had the passion for the game. I love to win. I like, I, I hate fucking losing. Like I hate it. So it drove me to push myself a little bit further. So I, I think when you're looking, you can't just look at skill when you're, you're drafting guys, you got to look at potential with, you know, work ethic and compete and passion and, and the, you got to be driven. You know, I always find sometimes, I played. I was talking about this with a buddy the other day. I played AAA hockey. You know, I played on a, a bad team just because we weren't good. But I, I had the opportunity to you know, play a lot of minutes and and be a leader on our team. But we played guys, you know, that were a stacked AAA team, and these guys all went in the first round of the OHL, and they were all superstars. None of them made it to the NHL because everything was so easy for them that they didn't have to dig deep and, and bear down and, and work a little bit harder and push themselves, you know, like I had to, or other guys in my situation have to. And I think those are the kind of guys that you, you get those sleeper picks in the later rounds that, you know, tend to work out for you. Andrew, your mentality win at all costs. Is that what was on your mind during the Legends Cup a couple of weeks ago at the <laughs> at the United Center when your when your team won? You won the Legends Cup, by the way, in kind of the uh, you know sort of the alumni game. But what uh, what was how was it like getting getting back on the ice again and and uh, you know get, you know putting putting on the sweater again and again most importantly taking home that win. Well, I love it. I'm not gonna lie. I, I love it. Uh... Last year, I didn't want to. I went to Legend Cups last year, and these guys, you know, they pay a lot of money to come get the full NHL experience. And 
we only won one game last year, and I was getting razzed by Savvy. Uh, so this year, you know, Savvy brought in a bunch of French Canadians as his ringers so that he'd win, and I made sure that they weren't going to win. I I remember playing so hard against anyone who was pretty decently skilled. I played hard so they couldn't get opportunity, and, you know, I, I even blew a guy up in the last game. You know, he stopped in front of me, and I just – Put him to the ground him. and chopped him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, my guys wanted to win. They wanted to. They wanted to hoist that cup. So I, uh, I went out and did everything in my uh, power to to make it happen. Well, next year, Shazi, I, I want the invite to your team. That's all. That's the only way I want to do it is if I get to be on your team. So I'm I'm holding you to it, and I'm reminding you two weeks before Legends Cup right. next year. Well, you better be ready to block some shots, all right? We we I'll, need that. Out you'll there. inspire me. I I will do your team, your rules. I'll, I'll fill whatever role you need, even if I have to be a little uncharacteristic and and block shots. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Did anybody surprise you in that game, Andrew? Either either good or bad. Um, you know, anybody that made you say, "Wow, I, he he can still skate a little bit," or you know, maybe maybe the opposite. Oh man, Shelly is an animal. I mean, he can still give her out there. You know, he's he competes, <laughs> and then he competes even better after the game. You know, at, at dinner, and you know, he, he has fun, and he goes right back out the next night and does it again. And he he's an animal, and he still got it. He still works out. He still takes care of himself. So he could still move out there. I, I bet you he could get through a game, like a, a, a real <laughs> game. I really do. Because I just think he's played the game so long. He's so much smarter on the ice than everybody else. Like, obviously, he's he's a little bit, you know, he's not old, but he's a little bit older now than when he played. But I honestly, seeing how good a shape Chelly's in, I do feel like if if – if you ever needed like an emergency defenseman for one night, I feel like he could he could get through an NHL game unscathed. Like yeah. I, I really do. I think so too. He's he's smart. Like you said, he's smart enough. He's played the game long enough. He he could survive one more game. Yeah, I totally agree. Call him like an e bud instead of an e bug. Yeah, exactly. Backup defenseman. All right, Andrew, this has been a, a, a great conversation. We really appreciate you hopping on like this, um, you know, especially with, uh, you know, the, the the full house that you have, lots of things on the itinerary day in and day out. Um, we'll, we'll let you get back to, to meal prep for tonight and uh, looking forward to uh, trying your, your culinary expertise at some point in the where where are we going here? Are you taking us to the kitchen or something? Well, I'm in the kitchen, but I got there like get some beef is going to be pulled in a, in a few hours. You see it in there? Yum. That looks oh, amazing. Wow. Is there a little bit of garlic in there? Oh, garlic, onions, and okay. seasonings. Ready for it, buddy. <laughs> well, listen, it, it, it was great. It, you know, speaking personally, again, it's been great having you in town on a, on a couple occasions throughout the season. Um, you know, hearing about your contributions to the to the team in your in your decade in the NHL. Everyone always talks about you and you know you've got uh you got kind of a, a cult like following among Blackhawks fans. I see a 65 in the stands every game. Oh, tons every of game. them. And, there's uh, there's, the there's tons stores, of them. The discount store is doing me well. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. This has been a lot of fun talking with you and uh, looking forward to seeing you back in in Chicago in the not too distant future, whenever the occasion presents itself and we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch and, and thanks again for doing this. No problem guys. Thanks for having me.
you know, again, there is some recency bias here, Colby, but that may have been my favorite interview that that we did all season long on Blackhawks Insider. That was a a great convo with Andrew, and uh, can't wait to see him around the United Center or Fifth Third Arena in the not too distant future. Okay. It is our last episode of the season on Blackhawks Insider, so we can't get out of here without one final edition of Sellies or Chirps. And yes, we're playing without Kaylee Chelios for this episode, but Colby, I did want to, for for our Sellies and Chirps, revisit a topic that we had for Sellies and Chirps earlier in the season. And it's about the NHL playoffs, which are, of course, underway, and Talk has been, you know, had about possibly expanding the NHL postseason. Not not any kind of serious discussion. Doesn't sound like it's imminent. But looking at how the NBA has expanded their postseason to now include a play-in tournament, kind of a, a buffer period between the regular season and the true playoffs, where teams who finish 7th through 10th in either conference have a play-in tournament to determine who fills the 7th and 8th seeds in both the Eastern and Western Conference. So the reason why I, I bring that up for my sellies or chirps, Colby, and, it, and my sellie or chirp is, is the NHL Stanley Cup playoff format good as it is, or would a play-in tournament be interesting? Now just, okay, I see you're shaking your head, but just hear me out on this. So Let's look at the Eastern Conference. So we know the eight teams that are in. If you were to expand that to the top 10 teams in the Eastern Conference, you would then invite the Buffalo Sabres and the Pittsburgh Penguins into a play-in tournament where, let okay, now it would be, it would then be to, again, copy the NBA model, you would have Florida playing the New York Islanders for the seventh spot. And then you would have the Buffalo Sabres and the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins playing in the ninth and tenth spot. So the winner of the of the Pittsburgh Buffalo game would then go on to play the loser of the seven eight game and then determine the playoff field that way. Don't you think that would be kind of fun to no. have Pittsburgh? Okay. No. All right. No. Right. I, 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 I'm, I'm chirping this all the way. Have at it. I, I, listen, I understand where your head's at. I do. I, I get it. And I understand that revenue is good for the NHL, and this brings more revenue in. But you're going to then make the regular season not matter. Because, you know, think of, think of the game down the stretch when the Blackhawks are playing Pittsburgh and knock Pittsburgh out of the playoffs two days before the playoffs start. Think of how big of a win that is for the Blackhawks at the end of the year. If the Penguins know that they're going to finish 7, 8, 9, 10, who, who's to say they even play their players the last couple of games? Like, all I hear is fans upset that they load manage these NBA players you buy all this expensive tickets to go to an NBA game and then, you know, your favorite player isn't playing because these teams know that 65% of the, the league is going to get into the playoffs in the NBA or have an opportunity. I mean, LeBron's uh, Lakers, they go in the playoff, you know, play in tournament. 
because they dealt with injuries and now they look like they're going to potentially work their way through the playoffs because, oh, here you go. Let's turn on the switch. I don't like it at all. Um, I like that the the NHL regular season came down to it. I mean, look, look at all the things that we didn't know going into the final 48 hours of the season. Was Colorado going to win their division? Were the Islanders going to make the playoffs? Was Florida going to make the playoffs? There was a huge trade last summer. Matthew Kachuk to Florida. Calgary loses to the Blackhawks, what, 10 days before the playoffs started? That kind of knocks Calgary out of playoff contention. So I like the way it's going. You look at the games last night. L.A. upsets um, uh, Edmonton in game one. Minnesota gets outplayed by Dallas, and they up update um excuse me they uh upset dallas sorry minnesota upsets dallas i'm i'm a little all over the place but i i do not like it i i don't like the way that the nba has been doing it i think it's too much and ultimately i think one verse eight both conferences that that's it leave it as is 50 percent of the league makes it enough is enough i think rocket agrees with you as well and listen, you bring up a lot of great points. And, and I specifically think about the Blackhawks-Pittsburgh Penguins game in the second-to-last game of the season. Think about how impactful that, – that was one of the most single, singularly impactful games in all of the NHL all regular season long, that Blackhawks-Penguins game. Yeah, totally. It wouldn't have had the same impact had there been a play-in tournament. Okay, but this is the last point I'll make. I'm, I'm I, now I'm going back and forth. But think about this. Okay, you do that a lot. Okay, <laughs> I do. I do. I, th- I got to think about it from from both sides of the aisle here. So take the Boston Florida series. That's basically the one eight series. No, no, in the Eastern Conference, no one is giving the Florida Panthers a chance in that series to beat Boston. And if there were a play-in tournament, now think about it this way. If, if Florida were playing Boston on the heels of a play-in tournament, they would have won already at least one, if not two games going into that series with Boston. So to say, that's to say they would have some momentum. You know, they would have had to fight to get to that series with Boston. So maybe that one eight series is a little more even when you're I'm not bu- on a- not buying what you're selling. Okay. I listen, I get it. You're the eternal optimist, but I'm not buying what you're selling. I'm not celebrating it with you. I think there's tweaks that the NHL could make to the playoff format as far as reseeding and stuff like that goes. But at the end of the day, look at the first round matchups we have. We're going to get Toronto Tampa again. We've got this LA Edmonton series again. Um, I, I think that Devils, it, Rangers. we're, we're in a really good spot this year with the playoffs. And I just don't think adding more teams does any good. Well, that, uh, that, that was a great conversation certainly to have on the topic with the playoffs underway. Um, you've always told me Colby that, that the Stanley cup playoffs are just different and you could see it on the first night of the playoffs. It was really hard to score. There were more hits that, you know, just the physicality was dialed up. The intensity was ratcheted it up. So, um, you know, it, it is a really, really cool event, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, um, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm locked in. I'm going to be locked in every night. It, it was a late okay. night, first night, that's for sure. It's but okay. It get your fun. get get locked in now because a couple seasons from now you'll be you'll be doing first round games in at the United Center. So so get your bearings now. Take advantage. There we go. There we go. I'm uh 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that, that outcome, that, that future being in, in the cards. That's for sure. Um, also in the future, additional episodes, of the Blackhawks insider podcast, but we are through for now. Uh, we will certainly look forward to picking up this series again at the latest when next season begins in October. Lots of big events on the calendar until then, however, namely the NHL draft lottery on May 8th and then the NHL draft itself in Nashville at the end of June. So many people to thank on the podcast. It starts with my co-host Colby Cohen and Kaylee Chelios, our producers Trevor Bray and Jenna Rose, who have been just fabulous with everything this season on the podcast, uh, doing a lot of the things that you don't see namely booking guests. We, we had such an outstanding roster of guests on the podcast and uh, Trevor and Jenna, big reason for that. And also for the social media clips that you see on our feeds, on the Blackhawk social media channel, uh, you know, posting our full episodes to the podcast platforms that you watch and listen on, including YouTube. Uh, they were really the engines behind our podcast, so thank you to Trevor and Jenna. And also a thank you to Brad Dollar and Southside Jake for the great music intros, outros, bumps. Um, it, it's been fabulous having them on and, and adding their creativity to the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. So, Colby, any final words? It's been a good season. I think we, we finished strong. I, I loved the, the Derek King and the Andrew yes. Shaw finish. We, we certainly uh, hit a couple of home runs and, and I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back together for, to talk about the draft or the draft lottery. I think those are exciting times for the organization and, and it'll be uh, train. Trust me. I I've been, been in the, in the game here for a while. Training camp will come before we know it. it, it enjoy the playoffs these are these are it's phenomenal hockey to watch, but uh, we'll be we'll be standing at fifth third and and bundled up uh, come come the the fall and winter here soon. And uh, again, as the playoffs as exciting as they are, they'll be even more exciting in the not too distant future. The Blackhawks will be back, folks. You know it. We know it. Just got to be patient. All right, that's all we got. Thanks so much for your listenership, your viewership. We wouldn't be here without you. We can't wait to talk to you next season on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast.